to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So pleased that you could join us today for this, our third part in our How Are Young People Transformed series. The premise of this series is this, that the goal of Children's and Youth Ministry is to create the conditions in which young people can be continually transformed into the likeness of Christ. So wherever it is we begin the journey with young people, whether they would call themselves followers of Jesus or not, we want them to help them take their next step in their faith journey, that we want to help them become disciples of Jesus, to be continually transformed into his likeness. So this series, this series of the podcast, it's all about how we did that. So if you didn't catch it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the first two episodes. Uh, in the first episode, uh, I just shared with you my keynote from Limitless Leaders, uh, where we unpacked the transformation pathway. And we spoke a little bit about the, the means by which God works transformation in our lives and in the lives of young people. And then in the last episode, we spoke about pedagogy with Susie Aldridge. Uh, in Paul's language, that renewal of the mind, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds and how important it is what we take in, what we take in through our eyes, what we take in through our ears and how that stuff forms and shapes us or deforms us um, into or away from the likeness of Christ. And in this episode, we're talking about this idea of practice. Here's the idea, fixing our thinking on the things of God, it's vital, it's important, it's crucial, but it is only the start. Because hearing God's word alone is not enough. We've got to put it into practice. In order to become like Jesus, we must practice the way of Jesus. That, that which we're learning in our minds, we've got to habituate in our bodies because the transformation of our character comes through the application of discipline. And we believe that the practices of Jesus consistently applied over time will open us up to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit within us and ultimately lead us to an abundant life in Christ. That's the idea. That's the premise of this conversation about practice. And to talk about that, I am delighted to welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast, the pastor of youth at Bridgetown Church from Portland in Oregon in the US, it's Jaron Oda. Jaron, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. How's it going, Tim? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Jaron, it's an, it's an absolute pleasure, uh, an absolute privilege. Uh, Jaron, I was planning this uh, series of the Limitless Leadership Podcast about this idea of transformation, thinking about like this is this is what we're about in youth work, isn't it? We, we want to see young people transformed into the likeness of Christ and in doing so step into the abundant life of Christ. And I heard you talking, Jared, on, a, on another podcast about uh, spiritual practices. It was a podcast about fasting. And I thought you so, spoke so well about it. I thought, you know what, Jaron, he would be amazing. So I reached out to you uh, <laughs> on an email and you were kind enough to reply and, and agree to give us some of your time. So thank you, Jared. I know I'm going to benefit from this conversation. I know the youth leaders listening are going to benefit from this conversation. Before we get into it, though, Jared, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, about your family. And I'd love to hear, Jared, about your journey in youth ministry and how, how you became a youth leader yourself. Yeah, wow. 
Okay, Tim. So I am not from Portland, Oregon to start. I am born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, that's where majority of my family is either on the island of Oahu or Kauai. So, um, man, I have very, um, now at this point, I've been in Portland for the past 10 years, going on 11 wow. this August. But yeah, originally born and raised in Hawaii, grew up in a home in which Jesus came into our family at around when I was around five years old through a, okay. a movement called New Hope, hmm. um, which Wayne Cordero and others kind of just had. It was a beautiful spiritual renewal time in Hawaii. Hmm. And my mom and grandma and a few other family members just opened their lives up to Jesus during that time. So all that to say, I kind of grew up somewhat in the church, um, starting around seven into my teenage years. But I really don't, I, I can only articulate my first personal encounter with Jesus hmm. at this uh, beach retreat when I was a sophomore in high school at Malai Kahana. Malai Kahana Beach is a really beautiful beach on the Kuku area of Hawaii. And I just remember having a personal encounter with, you know, levels of revelation. And I would consider it like low-level visions of God's wow. presence and God speaking. So um, that was later articulated in my small groups and learning what it meant to experience yeah. the presence of the risen Jesus, you know, at, at 15 or 16. So that's what kind of catapulted me into this journey of following Jesus. Um, and I think at the cherry on top for me in my discipleship was actually going on a missions trip to India as a 17 year old with a team who were in Missouri, India. And I got to experience the kingdom of God in a way in which, you know, I come from Hawaii, as you know, and it was, a uh, Many people call it paradise. I have a few places on the island in specific that I would think are some of the most beautiful places on earth. And that's very myopic of me because <laughs> I grew up primarily in a, on an island, obviously. But experiencing the presence of God and the sense of I am utterly loved in the mm -hmm. hills of Missouri, India, and having that same experience happen to me in some of the most beautiful places on Oahu. At the same time, I mean, it just reminded me God's everywhere. Yeah, and God can be found anywhere. And that was kind of, that was a living memory in me to this day at 28, now being in Portland. So um, a lot of beautiful experiences with Jesus and came to the University of Portland here in Portland, Oregon, and started attending a church called Solid Rock Downtown at the time. And remember this hipster with really cool hair and skinny jeans preaching the word of God. And I was like really judgmental and kind of skeptical. Like, what is this? I'm so used to Holy church. So different. And by the end of his sermon and by the end of the gathering, I was just hit with a wave of vision, hope, vulnerability. Um, and then we started going through these beautiful series on the emotionally healthy church on dealing with your past and going, um, new Testament, the people of God stuff that NT Wright did through John Mark and with, in our church. And then we finally moved into the Holy spirit stuff. And so those three, I would say moments in the life of Bridgetown shaped me. I mean, in ways that I could, I just feel so much gratitude over the past number mm. of years. Mm. Um, I've been married now too, for, um, just under a year. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> so we make a year in July. Thank you. Tim. Yeah. Lovely. And, um, I forgot to mention how I got to youth ministry. So while I was, um, while I was in uh, just following the way of Jesus in Portland and just so open to the call of community, I joined a Bridgetown community and I've been in that same community for around almost seven years, which is mm -hmm. wild to say. And I, during, while attending college, I had the opportunity to um, work at Bridgetown as a janitor. So that started about seven years ago. 
And so for a year and a half, I was a janitor at Bridgetown before I was given the opportunity to begin leading the middle school ministry. So that's what got me into youth ministry with the invitation. And what, what age, is, what age is middle school, Jaron? Because obviously the school system's a little different uh, in the US yeah. to, to what it is in the UK. So mid, when you say middle school, what age are you talking? I would say uh, for us, it's sixth grade. So 11 through 13 and a half, through okay, 14 yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And so I started leading then. And then that transitioned into middle school and high school. Yeah. So I lead both now middle and high school, which is the ages of 11 to 18. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing that now for about six years. Yeah. Fantastic. You so, know what I yeah. think is really interesting about your story there? And it, like, it strikes me as interesting because I think so often this is the way God works. And, and you see this in young people all the time is you spoke about how you had that encounter with God. Uh, and you gave your life to Jesus, and then you went into like a small group setting and started to try and work out what that all meant. And, and it, 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 exactly, <laughs> and isn't it isn't it true that so often the transformation begins with the encounter, and the encounter is that's that start point. People have a revelation of who Jesus is. They have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, an experience of God. And and they're like, well, I'm not exactly sure what this is, but I know I know it's something, and I I know I've not been loved like this before, and mm-hmm. I know I've not felt like this before, and so I'm I'm like I'm 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 in, I'm going to follow Jesus, and then the 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 long work of of discipleship, of sanctification, and of spiritual spiritual formation comes, but so often the catalyst, it's true, isn't it? The catalyst for that is that encounter moment with the Holy oh, Spirit. Yeah, nothing less. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing less than that, for sure. But we've got a, another episode coming about presence, so uh, we're, <laughs> we, we won't go too much into that. Yeah, we won't go too much into that now. Okay, so let's get into this idea of of practice, Jaron. Uh, what do you understand by this idea of practice? H- how would you define that for us? Mm, that's a good question. I think there's many definitions of it. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of go off the dome. It's something that I do regularly that moves me from uh, that moves me into a disposition. So something that currently isn't a normal disposition or, or approach to life that I want to become an approach to life or become an attitude or a way of life that I live by. So I intentionally practice something that isn't my disposition in order for me to grow into that disposition or attitude. And what I, I think I'm trying to take it from this angle because I really do believe this, that um, when you practice something regularly, like building some kind of skill or show up to something regularly, yeah. that is doing something to the way that you look at the rest of your day or the rest of your yeah. quote unquote, how you interpret your experience, how you interpret your life. Yeah. And I've found that to be, at least in this season of my life, the most fruitful and I think the most grounded approach to formation is okay. the idea that the, the more I step regularly into this rhythm or this particular activity, the more and more it's shaping my perspective on God's character, on what I can expect in the world and what I can choose to expect um, in my moment by moment existence. So that's probably a, an odd definition to approach practice. And again, many people have uh, wonderful definitions of it, but I would say currently in my experience, that is what it is for me. And at the same time, practice as it relates to Bridgetown youth, which we can talk about in a second. I think I come at it from a bit of a different angle for my students than I do myself, even though they're both related. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll come to that because yeah, okay, what I'd great. really love to land this conversation, Jared, a little later is like, 
how how do we integrate spiritual practices into the life of our youth ministries but mm-hmm. we won't go there yet because I, I think there's some more to unpack it in, in what in what you just said uh, well wh- why is it that um, we use this this language of practice or spiritual practices sometimes called spiritual disciplines why is it that that these uh, spiritual disciplines, these spiritual practices play such an integral part in our spiritual formation. I mean, I, I began by talking about how, um, you know, information doesn't necessarily lead to transformation, does it? Mm-hmm. Like we, can, mm-hmm. we can know all the Bible stories. We can have all the right doctrine. Uh, we can know all the answers, have all the apologetics. But until that, until we begin to habituate some of that stuff and translate it into practice, into actually how we live, um, what it can do to form us into Christ-likeness is limited, right? So, so why are why are these spiritual practices, why are these spiritual disciplines so integral in our spiritual formation? Mm. Yeah, I've so Bridgetown uses the language of the gap. Who right. we are now, what's what's who we are currently and then where we want to be in the future mm. and that gap between who we know we are right now and who we will be or who we want to be. And often that vision of who we want to be, that kind of vision comes from those personal encounters with the living Jesus, right? Through um, seeing biblical th- theology come to life where you really realize you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. The infinite value every human life has. It is very humbling when you know that. Does that make sense? So when you catch vision of how you are fearfully and wonderfully made and how you are called to do a good work, both in you and around you, then you have a vision for what's ahead, you know? So all that to say, I think that when it comes to spiritual formation as integral, there has to be a view of who you're becoming. And often that's That's not something that you can conjure up yourself. That's something that's in partnership with the spirit. That's often in community. That's in like, which we could talk about. But all that to say, you have a vision of who you are or who you're becoming, but you know where you're at currently, and you can sense the gap between the two. And so I would just say spiritual formation is just an honest account. Like when you look at your life, when you take an honest inventory, at some point, I think most of us, if not all of us, will come to the, the place where we admit we need, we're in need of some type of rehabituation. We are in need of some kind of transformation. Um, that's often what it looks like is daily rhythms and daily practices. Yeah. And I said this to a Sunday school class that I, I had the privilege to teach at Bridgetown not too long ago. And I said, I would just say that to do life without spiritual formation is to make the claim that you have transcended how humans have always changed. I yeah. mean, if you look at history, if you look going even beyond, you know, just the Greco Roman worldview, just how humans tend to change over time what you see as patterned throughout the course of any type of virtue forming is formation is repetition. Yeah. That makes sense. So I would just say that it's integral. And when you get to recognize that there's like a beauty, there's a, honestly, there's a bit of a grief because you thought it would be easier. You, you, there's an expectation sometimes that God can just kind of land something on your lap and you become this virtuous person. But often that's uh that's not what it's like in day-to-day life. Yeah. No, you're so right. Uh, what you've just said there is so, I think it's so important, Jared. And I wonder if it's a stage that I, I miss actually sometimes in, in youth ministry where we skip to, okay, guys, let's talk about 
prayer or let's talk about worship or let's talk about sabbath or let's talk about generosity or let's talk about lament or let's talk about hospitality or whatever the practice is um because we know that that's a good thing to do and we know that help that helps form us into christ likeness but we skip yeah we skip the the like why you know like the 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 vision of well it's the vision of the good life isn't it like what what jesus says about abundant life and what it is to have life in its fullness. And I wonder if we, I wonder if I skip that step and go straight to the practices without, without really casting that vision of like who we, who we can become in God and what, mm. what, what life in God is really about and what it's really like. And um, because I don't know if you find, Jaron, that often young people are just like, don't have a vision for spiritual formation because it's like well you know you you do you and this is me and like I, i'm just who i am and that's that's that do you know what i mean and there's that that yeah i, I would if, say i deal more with apathy than i do excitement or curiosity but that's just my city context no i don't you know? i don't know if it is i like i think uh yeah i think that's true and i would i would agree with that so how do you begin to p- pick away at that apathy and how do you begin to cast that vision for what what abundant life in, in Jesus is to like, because you, you're so right. So uh, what I'm thinking is like um, uh, <laughs> people who know me are going to laugh because all, all I talk about <laughs> apart from Jesus is running. <laughs> so I'm training at the moment to do this ultra marathon. Right. Mm. And um, so this morning I get up at 5am and it is pouring with rain and I get out of the door and I put 10 miles in. Now, I don't do I didn't do that because of the value of the experience itself, though there is value in it. I do it because I have a vision of what I'm seeking to train myself to be able to do, mm. which is to run this ultra. And if I wasn't working toward that, if I didn't have this vision for I want to be able to run this race, um, then I would have stayed in bed. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So how do you mm-hmm. begin to like un uh, like pick away at that that apathy and 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 create that excitement and that vision for what life in christ is really about and why why spiritual practices and and the the disciplines of the spiritual life are are worth the sacrifice that often comes with them yes wow that's a great question tim i think i would just start um from my perspective the masters or i wouldn't call them yeah maybe masters. that's probably a weird term but for those that lit my heart like john mark and others that lit my heart to be formed the desire to be formed by jesus it often came with that uh and i think john mark is a reason has been using this language but something he did he he did regularly in 2016 or even before that, 2013 2014 when i was a college student sometimes i'd come on sundays hungover and listen to these incredibly powerful calls to this latent desire for to be a good person inside of me. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. There's somewhere in me that was asleep or skeptical or not even in touch with mm. that. I felt a sense of value, dignity, and purpose hit me in those areas of vulnerability of like why it's worth going back, why it's worth looking back on my parents' divorce, why it's actually these actually these patterns are shaping me and why yeah. this vision of Jesus and the grace of Jesus is so powerful and so holistic that I can go back to these patterns, that I can go back to these yeah. secrets and be formed 
in the way of Jesus there. So I, I, I wish I had more words to, uh, to explain that. But really, it woke me up. I don't know how to say it. the yeah, beginning of spiritual really really formation wasn't giving me instructions. It was a waking up yeah, for me. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah. So I, I was um, just a, a few days ago, I was on the other side of the mic on a different podcast and being like uh, interviewed. And it was a, it was a, it was a conversation about, it was about sexuality. Um, and, um, and one of the questions that I was asked was like, well, what, what's, what's like the most important thing that you think youth workers should know here? And my answer was like, do you really believe that the way of Jesus is good for you? Mm. Um, and like, because if we don't really believe that ourselves, if we don't really have a vision for and an experience of that, when I deny myself in order to follow Jesus, it's good. Like, it, yes, there's a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a cost. But ultimately, it's good. And, it, and, and, it, and you know, uh, uh, if we don't believe that, if we don't have a sense of that in, in our lives, then how can we possibly call young people to to that and and to these spiritual disciplines they're called disciplines for a reason right because mm -hmm. we have to the most, for the most part they don't come to us naturally we have to choose to do them we we discipline ourselves to do them but we do it because we have a like you said we have a vision for what lies on the other side when we consistently practice those disciplines over time so do we believe that it's worth it like, do we experience that? Do we know that it's good for us? Do we believe genuinely, like, in our gut that it's good for our young people? Mm -hmm. If we do, we can paint that picture. We can call them to mm -hmm. it in that way. That's really helpful, Jaron. You're really getting me uh, thinking. Thank you so much. So Yeah, and Tim, I just want to add, if you look at all of the current, at least for me, I haven't done an extensive reading into it, but I, when pastors often ask where youth pastors come and talk to me about like how we can implement a formation culture in their youth community, I usually start by personal immersion. Yeah. You know, yeah. reading, <laughs> reading yeah, the yeah. Dallas Willards and the Richard Fosters yeah, and yeah. the Robert Mulholland's, primarily not just because to become a nerd in information, but because you see them wake you up, they yes. all of them across the board start with personal dignity before they give you instructions. Yeah, they always start with this vision of you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're worth being literally reformed by the person of Jesus. Yeah, that the Trinity has its attention and affection on you. I mean, it is across the board. I think it's so worth every leader's time to become acquainted with that. Yeah, um, with that sense of waking up before implementing any kind of robust curriculum you know yeah yeah and we could talk about the robust curriculum because i think it's important but yeah yeah the why is often what we miss in formation yeah. even though uh for me why formation has been so powerful and effective in my life is because i would just see every i walk away from every spiritual discipline invitation with the vision of who i could become yeah you know That's so <clears throat> yeah i love it so good so Personally, for you, Jared, what what mm -hmm. have been um, we, we've spoken kind of broadly about this concept or this idea of spiritual formation, or and particularly spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. But what have been some of the practices for you that have been most formational in your life as you've integrated them into your walk with Jesus over time? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think you know, whenever you want to translate this to the youth experience, it's going to be a bit different for me, but. Um, 
at the same time, it's different because I'm trying to accommodate to my student, what I believe my student stage of life is. Yeah. So if they were to take on all of my lifestyle practices, they have a different set of autonomy than yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I find the differentiation is necessary. But we can talk about that later. Yeah. For now, for me personally, I have a, a working rule of life that I yeah. regularly return to. I'm mm-hmm. experimenting with. And my two words around this, because it's so hard sometimes to unmask like you you failed at this formation you failed this week or that you know what i mean <laughs> so my two words are experimentation and curiosity those are the okay. two things that i'm always trying to bring with my rule of life but usually I, on my rule of life i have a theme something that reminds me and grounds me in in the season of life that i believe jesus is inviting me into so once a week i regularly return to that theme it's always that to some degree uplifting and humbling and then moving from there i have prayer rest relationships and work and under those four pillars which is based on the benedictine rules yeah um i have these rhythms that i would consider when i am most at home with myself and with jesus Mm. these practices these disciplines these rhythms are regular in my life does that make sense so i just get the chance to check check up on them and most recent what has been most life-giving to me is actually the examine um, the ignatian examine and i just well right now i've just been doing a weekly examine once a week because every day i'm just not there yet (laughs) just explain that for those who aren't familiar with the prayer of examine yeah the prayer of examine well for me it's more of it's a reflective prayer yeah so because i think when people think of the term prayer they think i'm praying out loud as i'm doing this but often i'm like writing this on my on my ipad and reflecting i have like an outline and once every Monday, at the end of the day, I get to upload this outline that has gratitude, it has petition on there, and then it has weekly review where I felt it's it's based on Ignatian's constellation and desolation where you felt near or far from God. Yeah. And then forgiveness is mm-hmm. the last one. So with gratitude, you just I just look literally look back on the week prior and list all of the things I'm so grateful to Jesus for because my disposition moves more towards like cynicism and skepticism. <laughs> so I, re- I really is an upstream practice for me. Yeah. Um, and then moving into petition, these are areas where I'm concretely asking Jesus for uh, in my life. And then thirdly is weekly review. And that's the spot that I've been really enjoying looking back on where did I feel a sense of God's nearness yeah. in my regular life? Yeah. And where did I feel far? And then lastly, forgiveness. That's the area that I am just regularly practicing, which leads into resolution. And resolution is I recommit to follow you as yeah. my guide and as my Lord. And so I just do, that's been, as of recent, such a gift yeah. for me. Yeah. The exam is really interesting, isn't it? I think particularly that consolation, desolation piece, because you, you look back and you reflect and you recognize, oh, Holy Spirit, you were trying to get my attention then. <laughs> and, absolutely and i wasn't paying attention uh but as you as you practice the the prayer of examine you be able to go back and go oh i'm sorry i missed that lord and now i i see what you were trying to show me and uh, maybe i've got more chance of 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 being alert to what you're up to next time i think the the goal with these things is again paul's language we want to learn that art of praying continually don't we? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean talking to God all the time. It means being constantly aware of and awake to his presence with us, being responsive oh, so to good. the promptings of the Holy Spirit as and when he leads. I, I think the examine is a really powerful uh, practice in, in, in that, to that end, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's been huge for me. Yeah. 
you, you mentioned something and we could very quickly uh, go past it, but I actually think it's a re- it's really critical thing and it's been so I just I can't overstate how important this has been in my own kind of spiritual formation and that's a rule of life. Um, in fact, I just you know we I'm sitting here in my office is record. I've got here on my wall here's here's my rule of life here that, mm. <laughs> um, that I return to and 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 uh, kind of I'll often return to it and review it as you said. But would you just explain, Jaron, for for those who aren't familiar, what 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 is a rule of life and how might somebody go about um, go about composing one? I guess because I, for me it's been it's been a game changer. Right, living by. Mm. So just would you just unpack that for us because uh, we've been talking about it, but I, I don't want folks who are listening to miss it. Yeah, I, I wish you probably have a better definition than I do, but I would say I primarily my rule of life is an articulated or implemented document or rhythm or, or implemented document of my rhythms yes. that remind me of my deepest desires mm. and my truest desires, which is to follow Jesus with all of my life. And so that is what my rule of life is. And I would say I never. I've tried to make one over the most sustainable rule of life came from asking questions for me. Go on. Uh, and so I would recommend if you want, if I, which I believe everybody should have, I think it's amazing for me personally. And that's somebody who, who's not necessarily type a, I'm not super high structure and the rule of life has been such a gift to me, but that came not from making an idealized version of myself. It came from asking questions and experimenting. Mm. So my, the best place to start, I just, I do this with all of my youth leaders, but I had them start. It was a really fun experiment we all got to do together, but to start building the rule of life through the questions and the questions you can find in Pete Scazzaro's literature, which is super helpful. I mean, you ask questions about activities that fill you del- with delight, activities that, that deplete you. What season of life or responsibilities do you have to engage in? You have like, it's just necessary for your loads and your limits. Really good questions before you just jump on a document and just start saying, I'm going to fast this three times a week. or I'm going to do it. It's so helpful to begin reflecting. And as I think it was John Mark who said this, who you're quoting someone else, but he said, we grow primarily not by living our experience. We grow primarily by reflecting on our experience. And so what's really helpful is starting with reflection, in my opinion, which is a huge part of formation. So, yeah, I would say start with questions. And then it has, I would argue that some of Gary Thomas and John Ortberg stuff of your spiritual temperament is necessary. Meaning, and Dallas Willard said, what what disciplines make you go, yippee? You know, what do you just well, naturally love to do? And name those things and put them, start with the things you love doing. And then, as Rich Velotis would say in his book, he says, what is one counterintuitive action? that yes. is needed in my life right now. And so just have a lot of yippies, and I would argue one to maybe three at max, one okay. to three counterintuitive rhythms yeah. that's on your rule of life. So uh, I, I yeah. just say start with the questions and go and go with those. If you don't have any yippies, you are, man, yippies. I'm sorry, but that's, that's a, who would want to follow Jesus, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in this articulated way without You're- recognizing you are made of, you're made specifically and you're made beautifully to express, you know, these unique things in the body of yeah. Christ yeah. that you enjoy. Uh, I'm so glad you said that because I was, I was just about to ask you that question. Um, because I, I think for me, I, I find that there are some spiritual practices which feel like, um, 
What uh, do, you, in, do you call it an escalator in the in the states? Well, I would say upstream. Yeah, but yeah, like a move, yeah, like a moving. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So some yeah. of them feel like you're going with the escalator, and some mm-hmm. of them feel like you're walking against the escalator. What, what are you what are you saying? Upstream. Absolutely. What's your language for that that you were going to use? Yeah, with upstream, downstream. Yeah, but that's, that's escalator. Where I mean, there's so yeah. many wonderful illustrations yeah, of this. Applause. Yeah, yeah. So, so, well, I'll use your language. So some. Some some of those disciplines feel me like to me like real upstream disciplines like like I'm, I'm you know I'm gonna do it because I know that it's good for me and some of them just feel like well this is easy and this is life giving so I'm really interested to know what are the yippies <laughs> for you what are the what are the what are the downstream practices in, in your life and, and what are maybe some of those more upstream ones that have still been important and have still been formation mm. just personally. Yeah, that's a good question, Tim. And I'll say this to any youth pastor listening. What really empowered myself and my students to do formation, I would argue, do formation together is like, and, and there needs to be wisdom around this, but your vulnerability about your upstream too. Yeah, They need to see that following Jesus, in my opinion, that every leader has, has their upstream. And, you know, creating language that is more about journeying together than I've arrived and let me tell you what it feels like. Oh yeah. And there are times and places for both as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Like we are called to model a way of life, but often what that looks like is vulnerability in your weakness. And what that looks like is areas that I'm still like, man, I feel like I'm literally swimming upstream every day. And there's a level of honesty that I think welcomes people into the journey instead of makes them feel discouraged from the start. You know, yeah. all that to say, so my, um, my downstream, my yippies right now, as of recent have been spiritual reading and believe it or not, mindfulness, like mindful okay. centering. It's, it's like the welcoming and centering prayer through mm-hmm. heating yeah. stuff and consent on the go. That's actually been really huge gift to me, um, as of recent. And last thing I'll say too, is I I've been for my downstream practice, something I legitimately look forward to every morning is my little like specific blessing that I, I know this sound may sound corny, but I bless myself. And this comes from inspiration from Henry now and in, in his, the inner, um, the inner voice of love. But he had talked about like, man, claiming and blessing your belovedness in Jesus is the most important and is the most difficult truth of all of life. Wow. And so I'm like, man, I got to start somewhere. So I have a, a daily blessing that I give. It's before I read scripture. It's before I do mindfulness. I say, Jaron, you are known and loved by Jesus Christ. You are a beloved child of God and a son of the resurrection. So this comes, and then the second part comes from the Mennonite community. So stay calm, stay connected, and stay the course. And then I have a scripture that comes with that. And I just say that every morning. I love that. Ground myself, remind myself, and that's an upstream. I, I, I mean, sorry, downstream. I'm like, oh, reminds me. Yeah, you know? speaking truth o- over yourself when the yeah, I know, I know that's such an elementary thing, man. And, yeah. Oh man, but right. I'm just, I, I try and do that every morning as well. And what so are some of those downstream? Yeah, what are some of those upstream ones that have still been important and life giving ultimately? Oh my gosh, I think upstream for me is hospitality right now. <laughs> um. Like, I, I think I, it just takes an extra layer of energy and planning for me to be hospitable to others with my, my material resources, with my home, with my space, with my time and energy. 
So hospitality has been for sure an upstream one for me. And then um, quite frankly, another another one um, is a, just a daily affirmation over people closest to me. Mm. I, I tend to start with judgment. And so um, one counterintuitive action that I currently have on my rule of life is one daily affirmation um, over others in Very my nice. life. Yeah. So, and believe it or not, I mean, I know that for most Christian circles, it's like, what? You struggle with affirming nothing? Yeah, and I, I do. So that's an area that's another area that's upstream for me. Uh, and it would be really, uh, it would be really useful work for those uh, youth leaders listening. Guys, just just take a moment to reflect and say, you know, what are some of those practices for you that, like, just cut those yippies that come easily, that feel natural and life-giving? And maybe what are some of those practices that the Lord would call you to which may require a little bit of uh, extra, extra effort. Um, so, uh, Jaron, well, I want to get mm-hmm. towards talking about um, how we uh, build a culture of spiritual formation uh, in our youth ministries and help our young people to engage with spiritual practices. And as a way into that, um, I want to introduce you to a little bit of research that was done here in the UK a couple of years ago. It was done uh, by an organisation called Youthscape, a fantastic ministry here in the UK, good friends of ours. And part of what they do is they have a research department. And so they uh, engage with a whole bunch of youth leaders here in the UK to find out, A, which are the practices that um, they most and least engage with themselves? And B, what are the practices that they most teach and practice with their young people in the context of the youth ministry? So what I'd like to do, just for a little bit of fun here, Jared, I'm going to read you the list of practices as they had it. You know, you might form a different list, but this is the list as, as they had it. And I want you to have a little guess at what, what might be in the top five and what might be in the bottom five. First of, of those which youth leaders in the UK practice themselves, yeah? Mm. So here's the list. <laughs> Forgiveness, loving your enemies, living simply or simplicity, challenging injustice, Prayer, service, reading scripture, lament, hospitality, resting, generosity, attending church or community, testimony, fasting, creativity, celebration, worship, evangelism, healing, baptism, and communion mm. if you were going to have a little guess here <laughs> i'll put you right on the spot um uh, they asked these youth workers which of these are you intentionally practicing give me a little guess at what you think might be what, what, what might be the most practiced first of all of those well please forgive me all of you <laughs> if this is showing my cards too much no, but I think attending church has got to be number one, right? That's, <laughs> that, which, by the way, that's a spiritual formation piece for sure, gathering, the art of gathering together. Uh-huh. So yeah. number one, they attend church, I'm assuming. Uh, number two, reading scripture, hopefully. Number three, and I would say this is like very much in line with uh, discipling Gen Z's, challenging injustice. I, I would I would assume that, that, that that's up there. Um. Number four, celebration. That's always good. <laughs> and then maybe number five, worship. 
regular worship. In well, the I think line. you got. I think you got three out of five that were in the top five. Oh, so that's not yes. so bad. So in actual fact, the top one with 93% saying yes and 6% saying some, they somewhat practice this is worship or singing. That was top. Mm. Uh, second was actually serving and blessing others. Third was then attending church. Fourth was... Uh, prayer and meditation mm. and then fifth was studying and learning about scripture that's great so wow, that's really encouraging that's awesome bottom five what do you reckon bottom five and then in a minute i'll screen <laughs> i'll screen share and we can reflect on this a little bit but have a little guess what do you reckon came in the bottom five loving your enemies i'm there with you guys <laughs> that's number one <laughs> I struggle there <laughs> loving your enemies forgiveness number two uh, uh, maybe fasting. That's a very, that's a very, uh, convoluted, controversial one. Um, that, that's number three for me, I would say. Huh, interesting that creativity is there. I'm curious. Maybe number four would be creativity. And number five would be healing. Two out of five, Jaron. Two out of five. Dang, it's not, it's okay. not, to be fair, yeah. out of like 21, I think, different practices. That's pretty good going. Okay, oh. so this is going to surprise you. Fifth from bottom was actually, Jaron, one that you put in your top five, and it was challenging injustice. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Because I, like, if I was at your side and I was guessing, I would have, I would have done that. Um, I would have said something similar. Fourth from bottom is healing of body, mind, and emotions. Third from bottom, uh, this is where it doesn't start to get so surprising to me. Third from bottom is living simply or simplicity. Mm. I just think that's not something we really talk about or think about too much in in the West. Um, Second from bottom is lament. And bottom of the list, the least practiced by youth workers in the UK, you guessed it, fasting <laughs> mm. fasting what do you think that t- here let me let me let me share this on on our screen jaron so you can have a look and give me give me some of your reflections what what what, what do you think and and why do you think um why do you think oh beautiful uh, graph the yeah why, why do you think uh it, it kind of placed it placed in this way and well let, let let me let me ask you about those top ones first of all worship singing, serving, attending church, prayer, meditation, study, learning about scripture. Why, why do you think those ones placed so highly for, for youth workers? Uh, I would just, I think all of those are there primarily because the church, in, at least when I, I, I'm approaching it from the lens of stage theory, I think all of those formation activities are most prevalent and most regularly available in church community. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's so I would say so observation. it's, it's yeah. all of those all of those are like well done in this context of like yeah. church discipleship. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah, that, that could be makes very communally accessible. Yeah. It's very accessible, which yeah. is great. That's awesome. It's important. Yeah. And as you look to the bottom, um, anything that's, what, what, what do you think? Anything that surprises you there or, or anything that um, concerns you there? things that you think of no, not, not concern i just i empathize with that a lot especially lament that's uh that's an area that i've just uh, we as a youth community have only been doing that 
We do that regularly in a small way, which we can talk about in a second. But in a more biblical, directional way of lament, we do that at the end of the year um, alongside our Christmas celebration. So it's not like something very regular, you know, in the life of a community. And then, uh, I don't know, nothing says says Christmas like a bit of lament, so I can see (laughs) In my opinion, yeah. (laughs) I always love leaving room for the griefs of the year and the losses of the year. That's just, you know. And then challenging injustice, (laughs) challenging injustice, I'm just curious on what that would mean. You know, does that mean going to a city council meeting? But does that also mean, you know, speaking in, uh, on controversial topics in, in your sermon? I'm just curious what challenging injustice would mean. Yeah. Interestingly, when when you go to uh, what the youth leaders do with young people, perhaps this doesn't surprise you, um, that, that comes in a lot higher, challenging injustice, with 65% of youth leaders saying they've taught about challenging injustice. Mm. And 42% of them saying they've helped young people experience challenging injustice in, in one way or another. What's not surprising, though, Jaron, and I'll come to this now and I'll, and I'll share this with you, is that the bottom three, those that are least practiced by youth workers, are, of course, then that translates into those which are least taught about and least uh, practiced with young people. So living simply, lament. Mm. And they're, they're, again, right at the bottom of the pile is fasting. Mm. Um, I, I wonder if you'd say a few words about fasting. What, how, how, how has that been, like, uh, integrated into your rule of life, into your spiritual formation? Mm-hmm. And how have you, or have you, uh, taught about that and help young people experience fasting because the thing, thing I find about fasting, Jaron, is that fasting has just been for well for thousands of years. Fasting was just an integral part of you know f- following Jesus in the way that you know we, it would it would just be assumed. Jesus said, "When when you fast, not if you fast." You know what I mean? And, and uh, just in the way that today we would go, well, if, if we're Jesus followers, we're part of church community. It's it, it kind of it's part of the package. Um, that it, that was how it was, wasn't it, for for, for thousands of years? And yet, in uh, kind of postmodern times, somehow that it, like it seems almost entirely absent from our lives and and our churches in terms of our teaching and in terms of our practice. What do you put that down to? And 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 what's the loss of that? What are we losing by not practicing fasting regularly, Jared? Well, I would say I empathize with youth with youth workers and why that's so low, primarily because of how bodily um, fasting is, obviously. But that has a whole bunch of, I think, pastoral uh, nuances, in yes. particular with our and teenage girls, absolutely. But teenage boys now are on the rise with body mm-hmm. dysmorphia, with different yep. forms of eating disorders, with different, and with you know puberty, is a developmental what they would call a lower t, lowercase t trauma for girls in particular, you know. So we have to, I think we have to have a lot of empathy and and tread those waters with a lot of pastoral sensitivity, yeah. Because we want to care for our students and our young people, and yeah. to jump into something like the denial of food in particular potentially drink for a time 
to, uh, in deeper prayer or kenosis to Jesus, we have to be very, very sensitive to the different. Because I, I, I'll tell you this, Tim, I have had so many conversations around body dysmorphia and eating disorders without even bringing up fasting yeah. as an act of spiritual discipline yeah. in my youth community. And so I just want to say, I think that stat could be because your a lot of your youth workers, at least talking to one now, that that is a very strong, they're very aware of that and it can feel very yeah. overwhelming to like handle that well. Um, but no doubt in my mind, statistically, this is true too, that body dysmorphia and eating disorders and different forms of body, uh, of just body image stuff are on the rise and have been for, I don't know, eight to 10 years. People have different differing views on why that's the case, mm. but regardless of the root of it or the, the causation of it, the reality is, I mean, that's just happening writ large with young people. So I would just say I, I, I want to empathize with that. Yeah, absolutely. And John Mark did a wonderful interview with Dr. Allison Cook, I think her name is, on how to address fasting in the context of those complexities of, you know, uh, mental, emotional, spiritual, bodily stuff. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, but well, I would just I'll tell say you what, we'll find that and we'll drop that into the show notes as well as some kind of further listening so people can go find Great. that because I think that would be really helpful for people to yeah. listen to. Um, and then Scott well. McKnight's book on fasting is tremendous. If any youth worker wants to take their youth community through the practices of different kinds of fasting too, it's not just fasting. Fasting is a very actually diverse thing. And remember the Israelites had calendared years where they would fast as a community. I mean, fasting is a profound part of life in a communal, not just an individual, but in a communal way throughout history. Yes. And at least yeah. as we relate to Judeo-Christian history. So all that what's to say, that, that, what's another, that book called, uh, Jared? Yeah. What's fasting. Okay. By, yeah. Fasting <laughs> by Scott <McKnight. laughs> It's great. And he gives you church history. He gives you the, you know, spiritual mothers and fathers and, you know, just really, really good stuff. But Great. Um, Link to that as well. Fasting in my life, the the one that is most prevalent to me is to stand in solidarity with the poor and the hungry. Wow. Um, and I would say before, and I shared this on the Rule of Life podcast, but what made that form of fasting regular or even honestly felt that invitation, an open invitation, an ache, a conviction. Because remember, conviction draws you closer condemnation tends to draw you farther. So the yeah, spirit, when it convicts, good. it's the same uncomfortable feeling, but it's an uncomfortable feeling that wants, I'm open to, I want more of, of Jesus and that discomfort. And that's where I would say I was convicted. But um, I had a rhythm of regularly serving uh, those in need in our city, um, mm -hmm. in the in the deeper part in the city. And that just kind of came up, that idea of fasting regularly and breaking my fast with this community of people wow. and using the resources that I'm fast, that I'm choosing to give up to um, financially and materially help this organization that I so love and believe in um, that came up organically from proximity. So um, that spiritual discipline came from proximity to need. And uh, I would encourage any youth worker, if they're open to it, to, to just survey uh, the needs of the city and maybe fasting could be a really beautiful way to both stand in solidarity spiritually and begin interceding yeah. uh, with your body, meaning standing on behalf of, and also giving and being hospitable in that way. So there are different forms of fasting, but that form of fasting has been most uh, prevalent in my life. Love it. 
really helpful. Um, Jaron, one, one more question before we wrap up our conversation. I wonder if you, I wonder if we could get really practical now. Um, and you could just tell us a little bit about your youth ministry, uh, your young people, and how you've sought to integrate spiritual practices into the life of, of your ministry and how you've sought to equip your young people to practice the disciplines of the spiritual life, you know, not just when you're gathered together, but as part of their own rhythms and, and rules of life. Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, I would say this to start again for every leader, personal immersion is so important. Plotting yourself on the leader's journey is also really, really helpful. It could be the critical journey is a really helpful, um, I think, resource for youth pastors. And then also the making of a leader, which is another one. It's a really helpful book just to plot yourself as a leader, because that's often where you're teaching from, where you're apprenticing others from, is to be able to plot yourself on the journey is so, in my opinion, so critical for the way that you teach and for the way that you gather people. So I would say those two things are really important for me, at least in building a culture formation. And then this is something I learned on Google like six years ago. And I was like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do as a middle school pastor. I've never done youth before. And I looked up like how to, what, what to do as a middle school pastor. I, I looked up something like that on Google. And I remember this phrase, it's never left me, but it says, a student is often not theologically aware until he or she is emotionally safe. So this lines up totally with research from Carol Powell and the Fuller Youth Institute, but setting up a warm environment, setting up an environment of vulnerability and of trust and of consistency is just as important as a cool curriculum for formation. Oh, yeah. So I am a thousand percent advocating as much as possible to be a predictable and safe place for young people is already formation, man. I mean, if youth workers out there, please hear me say this. If you're doing something regularly and opening up a hospitable gathering in the name of Jesus, you are you are well on your way. You're already so good. doing a great job. So good. Seriously, seriously. Like students are dealing with what's called a complex worldview. Just the idea that the problem is new for the day, then they go to sleep and they wake up in the morning and the problem's different. It's so different from what's called a complicated world where you could solve half of the math problem in one day and then go to sleep and then wake up and solve the other half the next day. There's new problems every day and young people are constantly going back and forth and and adults for that matter too. So to be a safe and predictable environment in a complex and changing environment, you are doing wonders for young people. Uh, And there's great research on that too, for why showing up to a predictable community is good for your health, not to mention the spiritual health, right? So I would just say be a predictable space. And then another thing that can help fuel formation is small practices in gatherings. Um, For in-home, remember, young people have different level of autonomy than young adults and adults do. So you're working with that level of autonomy. So it can be really easy to be frustrated with young people because you know, they're not doing this or they never, they forgot about this or that, but their lives have less autonomy than adults do. So we have to work with that um, and work with their development instead of expect an adult level spirituality out of it. Very good. Yeah. So part of that means starting and gathering, being kinetic with them. That's why I want to listen to your pedagogy yeah. teaching because it's, I've seen the most success in reading scripture together, reflecting together, yeah. 
Um, in our small groups, we have this curriculum where we do spiritual spiritual direction cards. I'm very I love the idea of using third things, which is essentially instead of asking a young person, "Tell me about this week for you." Yeah. You give them a third thing, like a picture, an illustration or something, they can yeah. use that to begin articulating their experience. So that's how I'm feeling, God willing, a warm and safe community for yeah, creation. That's, so, that's really yeah. important because in a teenager's stage of brain development, they haven't fully developed the capacity for abstract thinking. So, you know, mm. metaphor and third person perspective and empathy doesn't doesn't come easily. And so we need to create those on ramps. To help absolutely people, young people reflect on in it on those stuff in that way so i think that's really helpful but keep going this is, this is so good yeah so we you know if for an adult if you're in community tim which i'm assuming you are you and i sharing the truth as an adult is still hard yeah so what, what we need to do is like let them know hey sharing the truth is hard let's practice this let's make this easier because how many of you want to be compassionate they all raise their hands and i said how many of you realize that it's often small risks small activities of compassion that grow us into that do you want to see the world change do you believe that the world like aches for more compassionate spiritual people and they're all like yes it's like okay well let's make this let's implement this in small ways so we do explore the iceberg which is through the schizeros we do spiritual direction cards which is you know through a visual faith project and we make sure to do that regular so once once uh we have rhythms around this first and last of the month so we're all this catching whatever their experiences are and giving them room to share. But truly I'm trying to, my goal is to help them develop soul language. I, I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel anxious. I feel grateful. This is what I'm praying for. And to do that with another person. Um, and I, I just think, and then we have our students and we incorporate them to pray for one another too. So we're practicing intercession in that. My dream, um, moving forward is to implement some kind of regular, con- um, confession and repentance rhythm too mm. in that. But I would say, start with in gathering stuff, be creative with in gathering formation. We read scripture together on a rhythm. We take communion regularly. So that we're all getting the chance to remember around this Jesus, death is not the end. And we get to bless one another. But just remembering that instead of just eating food, you know, youth ministries, we tend to come together and just eat. And then we start our stuff. Use if based on your theological paradigm and your tradition, you can use every in gathering activity and just make it more conscious Mm. and make it direct it more towards spiritual formation. Mm. So remember, it's culture by design, not culture by default. And so for the past six years, I've been trying to ask what is by default and then what can we design and really articulate well? So that would, what is just pre, pre-critically pre accepted becomes critical and then experiential, you know? Mm. So that's that's kind of some stuff. I know I'm throwing a lot out there with the little time we have, but those are some things I would recommend in-house or in, in gathering formation. And then I would say, if you want to really help young people focus on in-home formation, so their daily lives, yeah. regular reflection in gatherings. So, hey, based on the practice this week that we sent you out with, before we do any our small groups, before we do our teaching, three questions. What worked? What didn't work? Any tips for your friends? And then let's pray together. Just some form of regular reflection. Yeah, so let's just pause there because that is just such a simple thing but so helpful. So we're we're saying – you, you're, 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 you're teaching, you're discussing, 
around a practice then you're sending them out like this is what we're all going to try and expect like usual words again we're going to experiment with this week and then the start of the next session you come back what what, what didn't work what tips have you got for your friends that is brilliant Re- just real i've seen stuff. it work yeah. yep and I'll, I'll encourage youth workers to use the technology series as a as a great before you do anything around prayer discipleship start with something they're regularly using and they know is not good for them. So it's, you don't have to do a lot of, dis- a lot of exp- um, preaching on it. And we've seen incredible stuff around spiritual formation when it, as it relates to technology. So yeah, yeah, I'd recommend that. I think starting there is really interesting because do you know, I don't know if you agree with this, Jaron, but one of my, one of my greatest concerns with this generation is how the digital age has it's not just it's just it's not just it's not just young people actually but how the digital age has robbed us of a of a capacity for spiritual things because spiritual things Mm. don't come instantaneously we don't press a button and get an immediate response um and because our attention spans are so diminished it's so hard for young people to um sit and slowly read scripture meditatively uh, meditatively or or silent practices like silence and solitude like there is no silence there's just constant stimulation and connection so being switched off and and i just think there's a real work for us to do about developing the 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 muscle to be developing the capacity to be able to contain spiritual things do you do do, do you reflect on that yourself in your own youth ministry Absolutely. And I have seen, we use the tech-wise living as curriculum, and we did that spiritual formation thing, meaning we teach around a practice, give it vision, and then we send them out for the week to get creative and experiment, and then they come back and reflect and share. And I'm telling you, our young people came up with really, and maybe I'm oversharing, but they came up with really interesting methods of how to remain bored, how to remain open, because they all know this stuff is not good. This stuff t- takes too much time. So it, it, I didn't have to do a lot of work on convincing them. Like other practices, you have to do more work on convincing and waking up that latent desire in them. But when it comes to technology, I think young people, on, on average, you can assume that they know I need less of it. <laughs> so it's a very easy thing, I think. you know. And, and so I thought it was so cool when some of our students were like, hey, this happened because I made this one decision to put my phone there for an hour. Hey, this yeah. happened. For me, my screen time went down by an hour and a half from that series. So they watched me, like, you know, benefit from um, our our spiritual discipline around it together. So uh, that's where I said it'd be fun to just start with technology. Yeah. But, yes, I agree with you. It is It is done more. I think it's more unhelpful than it is helpful to our apprenticeship often. Mm. and to our sense of attention but yeah yeah it's fun it's fun to do with kids yeah jaron this has been such a helpful conversation so much good insight some real practical takeaways i feel a bit sorry for those uh youth leaders who've been listening like you know while i've been out for a run or driving their car because they're going to want to have like made some notes and taken some things away because there's so much (laughs) actionable uh stuff uh that for us to take away from here which has been so helpful so jaron uh, really, really, really grateful for your time. Uh, I just, I'll, I'll finish with this. If there was one thing that you would want to leave youth leaders listening with on, on this, around this idea of practice, there was one thing you would just want to leave kind of uh, 
resounding in their minds and ringing in their ears, what what, what would it be, Jared? Hmm. What has been the most helpful idea on practice for me recently is the highest form of prayer is practicing right now for me. Mm. So may that be a gift to them, hopefully. It's been very, very helpful for me. Mm. But the highest form of prayer for me right now is practicing. Mm. So hopefully that's a gift to them. So good. Bless you, Jaron. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Tim, and a lot to you folks. Yeah, and, and to all of you guys listening, um, thank you. Thank you for thank you for listening today. Thank you for uh, downloading the podcast and for making it through to the end. <laughs> but most of all, guys, thank you so much for everything that you are doing to invest in the lives of, of young people where you are. Um, it's, it's so important. It's so important. And spirit, as we've been talking about, spiritual formation, I mean, it's such a challenge. It's such a challenge with... Gen Z, Gen Z, it's such a challenge in the digital age, but you guys are engaging the challenge. You're the ones who are on the front line doing the business, making it happen. And, and we want you to know the smile of God is over your life today, saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. So, guys, don't don't give up. We know it's not easy, but don't give up. Don't back down. Uh, keep serving young people. Keep serving Jesus because what you're doing is so important. And we will see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. <laughs>